Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. You got a copy of the Bible? Go ahead and begin to find Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Luke's Gospel, 14. Aristotle said, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not a single act, but a habit. It's a pretty interesting quote, isn't it? We are what we repeatedly do. So I don't uh, normally preach many subjects more than once a year, but sometimes some things are worth repeating. And so I want to revisit a topic this morning as we begin to look at the fact of uh, Christmas season coming up. And it is a a high uh, volume time of guests coming and visiting our church. Hopefully you're going to be in the Christmas cheer and inviting people to come and to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life and in the life of his church at Level Plains, so hopefully you're out there inviting folks, and so I want to sort of revisit the topic of hospitality this morning, and I want to, as we begin to think about that, I want you to, uh, to think about how hospitable do you feel this morning? How do you feel? How would you rate yourself on being hospitable? Last week we had uh, in our church council meeting, uh, we were just sharing some vision and sharing uh, what God is doing in different ministries. And uh, one of the uh, leaders in our church shared with us as a church council said that uh, they had uh, an acquaintance, a friend, uh, visit our church. And um, they came and she was pretty excited about the person visiting our church. And then uh, said these words, said that uh, they visited our church and then, you know, I didn't see them again. And uh, then I ran into them somewhere and just said, hey, you know, you visit our church and, you know, where are you going now? And they named where they were going, you know, what such, such church and that sort of thing. And so she just said, well, okay, you might be asking, you know, uh, what happened? You visit our church, you didn't come back, you know, what happened? And basically what she said is, I didn't feel welcomed. And, uh, you know, for us to hear that is like, come on, really? You know, uh, it's obvious we love each other. It's obvious we have a good time when we're together. It's obvious uh, because we, you know, we talk about Alabama football and we talk about Auburn football and we laugh and we cheer one another and we hug one another and we shake hands with one another. And there's the problem, right? It's the one another's, right? And it's all the Bible stuff that we ought to be doing, right? We ought to be loving one another, encouraging one another. That's what a church does. But sometimes what we forget is the gift of hospitality is what biblically it means, and that is that you love strangers. It is two words that are put together in the Greek language. It is phileo. It is that love that is what we would call brotherly love. Uh, so it is that love and then the other word stranger. So it's about loving strangers. I want you to think about that for a minute. What hospitality is really all about It's loving somebody you don't know. That's interesting, isn't it? It's hard for us to imagine. How, how can I just love on somebody? How can I have a brotherly love, a love for somebody I don't even know? How can I have that? 
Well, because the greatest love of all time should be residing in you through the person of the Holy Spirit of God who has been placed in you by God himself, right? At the point of our salvation. He is in us. Remember Jesus said to to, to the disciples, the thing about the Holy Spirit to them is he came upon them and he said, but one day he's going to be in you. What a great distinction, right? The Holy Spirit's not coming upon us. He's living in us. And he enables me not just to love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but he enables me to love strangers. And that's what we're called as a church to do. You say, man, we're revisiting this topic again. Sure, why not? Um, We always can be reminded again and again and again about hospitality. You know, hospitality in the Bible was something that was learned at a very young age. And it was not only customary, but in a lot of settings, it was what was expected. You, you survey the Bible. I, I challenge you this week. Survey the Bible and find all the Bible verses, references you can on hospitality. And, and you will find a ton. For example, Genesis 18, Abraham entertains three traveling strangers. We find out they're angels, right? Genesis 24, Laban's hospitality towards Abraham's servant when he goes and looks for a wife. 1 Kings 17, we have the widow's hospitality towards Elijah. In Luke 5, we got Matthew's hospitality towards our Lord. Matthew, or excuse me, Luke 9, Jesus relied on the hospitality when he sent out the disciples. Remember he said, if you go to a house and they receive you in, that's hospitality. Luke 10, let's never forget the story of Mary and Martha showing hospitality toward our Lord. Acts 10, you got Simon's hospitality to Peter. Remember, Peter was sitting in the, on the rooftop, right? And he fell into a trance while he's waiting for what? He's waiting for supper, waiting for lunch, waiting for a meal to be fixed. Acts 18, you got Aquila and Priscilla's hospitality towards somebody that everybody was afraid of, and that's Paul, <laughs> until they came to know him as really a disciple of the Lord, a leader of the Lord. And so when we begin to think about hospitality this morning, I want us to gravitate towards Luke's gospel, chapter 14. And I want to talk about hospitality from what I'm calling a dinner discourse. Jesus is invited to dinner in Luke 14. He's invited to one of the rulers of the Pharisees, and he's going to his house to eat dinner. Now, if you read through the context of chapter 14, you're going to find immediately that Jesus is invited to this house, and he's invited to dinner not so that he could give a discourse and lead people to himself, but they want to pick him apart. They want to examine him. Jesus comes in and he sits down and the Bible says that all eyes were on Jesus. Can you imagine being in a room like that? Can you imagine coming into a setting where everybody is looking at you? Do you know, by the way, that's how guests feel when they go to church? Can I get an amen? Have you ever visited a church? When was the last time you visited a church? I'll tell you when you here, right, you join. Amen. When you visit, I, I'm a preacher, and I, when I'm on vacation, I go to church. I know that surprises you, but they do. And so we've been to Marina's mom's church. And every time I go there, I feel like, why is everybody looking at me? Why are they staring at me? You know, I know I'm ugly, but, you know, I'm not the elephant man. You know what I mean? At least I'm better looking than that. 
But you just feel like everybody is looking at you. Because you know why? They're looking at you because they're trying to figure out who's a stranger. You know, it's like the old dog sitting on the porch. Stranger in the yard, you know. It's like, who's the stranger? Who's this new person? And, and the thing is, everybody, everybody's looking, but really nobody's engaging. Does that make sense? You ever been in a church where you've left and nobody really spoke to you? If you've never been in that kind of place, it's kind of weird, you know. I mean, I've been to church with Maria's mom, and occasionally some people may say hi around me, but they're not engaging. They're not engaging in any conversation. The only people I talk to there is Marina's parents and Marina. And it's usually why the preacher's preaching, because I'm always critiquing him. So (laughs) that's what I do best. Why listen to a sermon when you can critique it? So, (laughs) but when you begin to think about Jesus coming in the room and everybody is looking at him, Jesus is going to use this opportunity to turn everything on their heads. And he'll use it as a teaching opportunity. And there's four teaching opportunities in this text that he gives. We don't have time to look at all four, but if you look at it, first of all, in beginning at verse one through verse six, he talks about the Sabbath. They got the Sabbath all wrong. See, here's the setup. They invite Jesus in. He comes in and there's a man in front of him who has a disease called dropsy. Now, he didn't drop everything, but it was a disease by which it was a liver infection and it would cause the body to swell. And so here's this guy who has his liver infection. His body is swelled. And so everybody's looking at Jesus and no doubt to see what he would say, to see what, what happened. Read the text, what it says. They're sort of been trying to entrap him. So what does Jesus do? Jesus uses it and says, hey, is it lawful for me to heal or for anyone to heal on the Sabbath? Nobody says anything. Jesus heals the guy. Then he gives this classic text about the ox in the ditch. We're all familiar with that text. We've talked about that before. And then he moves from there talking about humility in chapter 14, verse 7, down through verse 11. He talked about if you go and you're invited to this banquet, when you go in, don't look for the seat of honor Find the back seat first. Go to the less honoring seat first. Why? Because if you don't, if you head, go to the head of the table, somebody who is bigger than you, somebody who is more intelligent than you, somebody who has more money than you, somebody who's more important than you is going to come in and the guest is going to say, ah, you need to move? That's his seat. And how embarrassing is that going to be? Quite. Amen? Quite embarrassing. And so Jesus gives this this idea about humility. Why? Because everybody in the room, everybody in the room is full of pride. I'm not talking about this room. I'm talking about the room that Jesus is in. They're full of pride. They're hobnobbing together. You get the idea? They're hobnobbing. They're in a party, a a dinner in order to entrap Jesus, and, and they're all haughty. They're Pharisees, by the way. You know who Pharisees were, right? They were the elites. These were the guys who held sternly to biblical truth. Sternly to biblical truth. But then they distorted it later on through the years, right? Added all these verbal laws that God never intended. But at least they believe in a resurrection. At least they believe God could do supernatural things. They just didn't believe in Jesus. And then Jesus talks about what we're going to talk about, and that is hospitality, beginning in verse 12 through 14. Before we jump there, he talks lastly about this being invited. Who is going to come into the kingdom of God? And his whole point in teaching about the kingdom of God at the end, beginning in verse 15 to the end of verse 24, is to help them to understand that all those religious people in the room 
thought that they were secure in their relationship with God because they were religious. And Jesus reminds them, it is you people who are going to be invited to the banquet who have refused to come. You give your excuses. And by the way, they're excuses. That's exactly what they are. They're not good reasons. They're excuses. And so what, is he, what does the banquet do? Or the, 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 the head of the banquet do? He says, go out into the highways. Go out there and get the lame. Get the poor. Get all those other people out there. Get those people that everybody else has rejected. I have died for them. And he's going to bring them in. So he teaches them about the kingdom of God. And who's going to be involved in the kingdom of God? Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. In heaven, you're not going to find one religious person. You hear me? Amen. Now, you may find there are people who have trusted Jesus Christ and in their flesh they struggle with legalism in their life. I'm not saying that can't be a possibility, but I'm here to tell you, if you're trusting in religion, you're not going to make it to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way. I don't care what work you think you can do. I don't care how much money you think you can give. There is nothing save the blood of Jesus covering us, his grace infiltrating our lives, his mercy falling upon us by which we can be saved. Nothing else will do. And so Jesus is going to teach us about hospitality. Look at verse 12 through 14. We'll read the text and then we'll look at two, just two main points this morning. He says to us, then... Verse 12, then he also said to him who invited him. So Jesus now is talking to not just everybody in the room. Now he's talking to the host. He's talking to this leader of the Pharisees, this religious guy. He says to him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor your rich neighbors Lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. So the first thing Jesus tells us is who not to invite. Think about that for a minute. Who not to invite. Notice that Jesus, as he's talking about who not to invite, that he is, he is talking about relatives, friends, rich neighbors. He's saying, oh, so when I have a party at the house, I'm have a Christmas fellowship at the house, I'm not supposed to invite those folks. Don't draw parameters around something that he's not talking about. Jesus is talking to a specific crowd of folks, and here's what he's saying to those religious people. You have brought in everybody you like and exclude everybody you don't like. That's what he's saying. Think about it for a minute. First of all, it's easy for me. To love my family. Amen. Anybody have a problem loving their family? I know all of us have a cousin Eddie somewhere. All right. I realize that. But it's easy to love my family. It's easy for me to love my friends. Amen. It's easy for me to do that. It is easy for us. Listen. To love our sometimes good neighbors. Amen. I'm talking about those who live next to you that you've been friends with maybe and you build relationships with. It's easy to love those. But if that's where I stop, am I really being hospitable? I don't think I am. I don't think we moved into the realm of loving strangers. After all, think about the Old Testament content. If we want to really be cutting edge scriptural, If this religious leader wanted to really be biblical, 
then what he ought to be doing is following what God said in the Deuteronomic law when he said to him, remember those who are strangers in your land and do what? Be hospitable to them. Why? Because you once were strangers in Egypt. God says, you know what? I treated you pretty good. Even when you were strangers down in Egypt, you know, I was with you. I blessed you. I brought you out. And now there's going to be strangers in your land. And you know what you ought to do? Rather than begrudge the fact that you were slaves in Egypt, rather than just slap each other on the back and talk about football, what you ought to do is realize there's somebody different in the room, somebody new in the room, and you ought to extend a hand to them. Amen? Isn't that what he's saying? I believe it's exactly what he said. And here's why we do that. Because he extended his hand to us first. Aren't you thankful that God is a hospitable God? I'm thankful that God loved me enough that when I was not looking, that's what the Bible says, right? I was not looking for him, but he came and found me. And he extended a hand of love and mercy to me. Why? Because I couldn't extend anything back to him. <laughs> the, the chasm was too wide, too deep, too far, but he would reach down to me. I'm thankful that he did that. And so Jesus says, you know, guys, when we begin to think about who to invite, when we think about people coming into the church, it's not that we do like James says not to do. James says, James 2, right? Don't show partiality. Why? Because what was happening in, in the time that James was preaching is that, that the poor guy would come to church and they would say, hey man, come, come sit here at my feet. <laughs> but the rich guy came in and go, oh, hey, hey, get off the front bench. That's for the rich guy. Now nobody wants the front bench anymore. Now we would say, get off the back bench. <laughs> that's for the rich guy. Right? That's what we do. That's, that's where we say, that's the prime real estate back there, right? Is the, in a Baptist church is the back bench. And so Jesus is, is giving us a teaching here. Listen, it's not about us welcoming each other. It's not about us blessing each other, even though we do some of those things and we ought to do some of those things, but it's seeing past my brothers, seeing past these people right here that I'm with every week. And listen, it's good to be with you every week. During the week, sometimes it gets lonely. We appreciate people that drop by for a couple of minutes and visit with us. We appreciate that. But listen, when I'm here on Sunday morning, I begin to look for new faces. And I begin to try to reach out because they need us. So who not to invite? But then he talks about who to invite. Go back into the text. He says, verse 13. But when you give a feast, invite those poor. Those are less fortunate. And by the way, they need the food more than the other guys do, don't they? Invite, he says, the poor, the maimed, <laughs> the lame, and the blind. You know who those are, by the way, right? Those are the social outcasts. Those are the people that nobody wants. Nobody wants the poor around. You know why? Because we're like Ebenezer Scrooge. All they're going to do is beg for money, and we don't want to be bothered by them begging for money. They don't want the maimed around because 
they're not whole. They, they got some defect, something wrong with them. And so we don't, we don't want them around because obviously something is, is not right. God's not blessing them. They're not kosher. And so we don't want them around. And so all these folks that he's listing here are these outcasts. These are, these are people who are on the outside. Should we ever as a church feel that way? Where we don't want people who are from the outside inside. I mean, should we ever, should we ever feel like we can have a banquet of Sunday morning worship without letting those in? Now, I'm not saying that everybody's going to come to the door as a stranger that is going to be poor. And I'm not saying that we're going to, you know, our new church target, I don't even believe in church targets anyway, our new church target is going to be all those who are blind. You know, I'm not, I don't believe in that junk anyway. I'm just trying to say is that when folks come in, sometimes we forget because they're not in intimately with our relationships and our thing that, that we may treat them like these folks are being treated in the Bible as outcasts, as separate from us. Does that make sense? And so we don't want to do that. And here's the sad reality of the story. Notice how Jesus is, he's talking to them and he points back, he's talking to the owner now, this is for verse 14. He says, if you do that, he said, and then you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you. See, the thing is, we love exchanging hellos and goodbyes and hugs with those that we can feel like we're going to get something back out of it. Reciprocal. I've heard preachers say this. And Lord, help us if we ever get in this mentality. So-and-so is visiting our church. They're a doctor. They're a lawyer. They got money. We need them in our church. We need that money. But if we ever get to that mentality that we're loving on somebody and we're encouraging somebody to be a part of our fellowship at Level Plains because they have something to offer us, we have done the wrong thing. Amen? We should never look at any guest in a value scale. Oh, they're going to bring more money in the church. I hear preachers say it all the time. All the church growth experts, you want more money in your church? Then get more people in your church. Go after this demographic. That's wrong. It's not about going after demographics. It's about going after everybody. Amen? And when people come into the church, everybody is welcomed into that fellowship. Not because they can repay us. Not because they may be good tithers one day. I'm going to tell you the honest truth is, statistically, if you read those statistics, that's the last thing that joins your church is their checkbook. (laughs) Even when people join the church, Tim, it takes months for them to be good givers in your church, if they ever do. So that's the wrong motive anyway. It It doesn't work, but it's still the wrong motive. And so Jesus said, invite those, be welcome to those, regardless of whether they're going to pay back to you. So it's not about, is a guest going to be good for our church? You know, here's the other thing we do. Hmm, I hope they join. That guy seems talented. He can help teach the youth. Or he can do this, he can do that. Why are we so quick to do that? Well, we act like we're desperate, amen? Well, we are sometimes, but that's beside the point. You know, we need people to serve. I realize that. But the reality is, you know, it's not about what are we going to gain from this relationship. It's about what, I, what do I give in. Loving strangers is what I give into the relationship. Jesus says, who to invite then? That's those who are less fortunate. The beauty of the text is that look how he caps it off. The very thing they thought they were getting. And by the way, they got their reward. You know why they got their reward? Because they were hobnobbing with each other. They're paying back each other. And it was customary that if you invited me to the party, I'm going to put you on a list. And when I have a party, I'm going to invite you. How, isn't that sweet? I'm going to be invited to your party when you have a party. 
They had their blessing. They had their reward. But God says, listen, you do it the right way. Where's the ultimate reward? It's in heaven. Let me tell you, somebody comes to the door. I want you to think for a minute. And I, I, hmm, Several years ago, right here at the end of a service, a few years ago, Marie and I were standing, greeting. I was greeting people as they were leaving, and Marie and I were just sort of hanging out. And a young lady said, can I spend some time talking to you? And so we sat down and we talked. And we just began to pour out Jesus, talk about how he is great and how awesome he is. And, and we began to share with her in hospitality and love and compassion. And I just think, what if we didn't do that? She came to know Jesus. She's sitting in this church today. Her kids, a couple of kids have been baptized. Me, what, happened, what would happen if we weren't hospitable that day? Amen. What if I said, you know what, we're, we're, we're meeting some people for lunch. I think we were that day. We're meeting some people for lunch. We don't have time. <laughs> but that's what we do at church. That's sometimes how we act. We could care less to be bothered. Am I right? I think I am. The eternal reward is what's worth it. The, the reward is not that, man, I get a pat on the back. The reward is, hallelujah, one day we're going to spend eternity together. That's awesome. And these guys, these religious fanatic guys thought they had it made, but they weren't welcoming. Anybody that came new, they criticized and they judged and nobody wanted to be around. They put burdens on the people's back. Listen, we don't want to be that kind of church. So how do we apply? What, what's some practicality? Well, let me just give you some practicality and it will be done. Businessman Danny Meyer wrote these words. Listen, listen to what he says. The most important thing you can do, talking to business people, by the way, the most important thing you can do is make the distinction between customer service and guest hospitality. It says you need both things to thrive, but they are completely different. You know why they're different? You know what customer service is, right? Customer service is what I'm expected to do. You know what? I just shudder at the customer service of some places around town. You ever just sort of walk into some place and go, boy, they got lousy customer service here. You ever do that? Like when you walk up and if you work at McDonald's, I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to offend you, but you walk up and there's, you know, a 16 something standing behind the counter and you walk up and you know, you're looking at the menu and you know, you're kind of like waiting for this, you know, Hey, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, please? You know I mean? That's like not a hard sentence to say, right? And Never, hardly ever gets said, right? You got to say, uh, yeah, I like to have, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I eat, but, you know, what's, what's, whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what's the difference? See, the, the customer service aspect is I just got to take your order and give you some food. The hospitality would be, hey, welcome. And we all know who's got it down the best in town. Chick-fil-A. Or Publix. Publix is good at it, too. But we know Chick-fil-A has got it down. You know why they got it down? Because of redundancy. The management is constantly reminding everybody that works there, we're not just about customer service. We're not just about cooking meals and giving people food. We are about making people feel welcomed. That's the difference. See, when we come to church and we hear the preacher preach sermons like this, what we do is we realize we got guests in the room. And when we see a guest in the room, what we do is we go up and we greet them. We shake their hand. Hey, we're glad to have you. That sort of thing. I've done my customer service responsibility. What we need to do is move past that. You say, how do you move past that? What do, what do we do to move past that? Let me give you some hints. What if you walked up and said to them, good morning. Glad to have you. Glad you're here. 
hey, would it be all right if I sit with you? And you sat with them. You know why you sit with them? So they don't have to sit alone. Because you know when they sit alone, you know why, what happens? Everybody stares at you. Everybody goes, oh, there's a new couple. They're sitting by themselves. Sit with someone. That's the step. See, that's different. You see the difference? That's not customer service. Customer service is what we're doing at the, at the, at the center out there. When, when, when they go out there and we're giving them a mug for a, for a card, that's some customer service transaction. But Laura takes the next level. Hey, so tell me about yourself. That's hospitality. Does that make sense? Or maybe try this. Marina, I learned this from Marina's grandmother. Every Sunday they would, that's back in the day when people cook. <laughs> Every Sunday they cook extra. And so they had visitors in church that day. They invited them. Would you like to go home with us and eat? Now, people are probably not as apt to go home with you to eat, but they sure will go to a restaurant with you to eat. So maybe it's saying, hey, you know, I'd like to have you as a guest. Hey, my family, we're going to go to such such a place at the church. We'd love for you all to come. Our treat, we'd just love for you to go. You say, oh, now I'm spending my money. It's called hospitality, friend. Amen. I bought meals for people. You can do it. It's not going to break the bank. You see what I'm saying? We can customer service it. Hey, I'm glad you're here. La, la, la. Did my duty. Or we can take it the extra mile. Hey, can I sit with you? Hey, is there anything we, you know, can I show you around the church? You see what I'm saying? Go the extra mile in what you do. I came across this quote, and it's so true. And, and, and I want you to hear me loud and clear, because I, I don't want to be misunderstood But when people come to church and we treat them with not just customer service, but we give them hospitality, it creates a feeling of being welcomed in their heart and in a relationship. Now, I don't want to base everything on feeling, but I'm just going to tell you all something. Have you not made decisions based on feeling before? And whether you're going to go to, listen, I've been in some places before the customer service was horrible. I'm not going back. I ain't going back. You hear me? And when people come to church and the customer service is horrible and there's no hospitality, you know what they say? I ain't going back to that church. Amen? They won't. They won't come back. And so, feeling is important. Maya Angelou, listen to what she said. She's a poet and, and, and writer. She says, people will forget what you have said. They will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you make them feel. That's good or bad, by the way. And isn't that so true? I know it's true in my life. I can tell you, there's been people who made me feel like a million bucks. I won't ever forget that. But there's also people who made me feel like trash. I won't forget that either. It's etched in me. I don't know, there's something about this feeling that just etches in me. Follow behind that, Justine Vokes said this, another businesswoman. She says, your guests said feel, uh, or your, excuse me, your guests need to feel like they're at home Here it is. Even if you wish they were. (laughs) Amen. Think about that. Your guests need to feel at home even if you wish they were. Even if you don't feel hospitable, be hospitable. Go the extra mile. I like what Rick Warren said, and I'll be done with the quotes. Rick Warren said this. People aren't looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a friend at church. So we're not looking for a friendly, see, we say we're a friendly church. Well, that's, hey man, maybe true. But are you willing to be a friend to somebody new? That's what people are looking for. And so as we conclude, 
Let me just tell you, the, the, the greatest hospitality is Jesus offering himself for us. He's our example, church. Amen? When we could do nothing, when we were helpless, the Bible says we were hopeless. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. The Bible says that we were separated from God. We were separated from the promises that God in his mercy reached to us. And you know what God did? He loved us so much in his hospitality that he made us family. Isn't that awesome? We are family because we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're kindred. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to see those who are coming in, those who may be new and different and strange, those who may be what we would call a visitor or a guest, we want to make family. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.